talking about these mercies that God provides to us. Like I see a world that's just frantic and overwhelmed and, 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 and overworked and too busy and, and like conscious, you know, just like so much rattling around in here. And, and yet God offers us this, these mercies, like, like they're fresh and they're new. And, and the, through the mercies of God, we are able to breathe and have life. And we've talked some about, uh, about that the past couple of weeks. We've talked about the, the presence of God. Last week, if you were here, uh, we talked about, we, we, honestly, we just practiced breathing together as a church, like, like recognizing the power of breath and how God's spirit is, is the breath that, that fills our lungs. Um, today, I want to talk about something a little bit different, a different mercy of God, but related to the others. Uh, I just want to give you some statistics to begin did you know that uh, within just a few years, they estimate that China will have the largest Christian population in the world? Um, Africa, um, it very soon, will have six of the 10 largest Christian countries in the world. Right now, today, there are 180 million Christians in Africa. Um, this past week, I was at a national discipleship uh, uh, forum, and w- they talked about how Christianity is sweeping through the Islamic world, and uh, they showed a picture from Ethiopia of 70 Islamic imams, uh, or basically like leaders, like elders kind of of the Islamic church, 70 imams getting baptized at one time. Uh, I've got a picture of uh, one of the guys who's working in, uh, specifically in Sierra Leone. Uh, His name is Shadonke Johnson. Um, He just runs an incredible discipleship ministry uh, in Sierra Leone, one of the like tiniest, like, I mean, it's bar- you can see it's barely a dot on the Africa map. It's a tiny, tiny country. It's, it's incredibly poor. Uh, it was ravaged by Ebola. Like, like all of these things have been uh, facing Sierra Leone. And this guy, Shadonke Johnson, become a fo- became a follower of Jesus Christ. And in Sierra Leone, in the last 10 years, he and his ministry have planted 2,000 churches. 2,000 churches. They've also built more than 80 schools that serve 28,000 kids. There was one guy in his ministry, uh, he, he was uh, in their culture, like he was a lame guy. He had a, a, a deformity from birth, wasn't able to walk. And, and basically in his society, there's, he, he's useless, you know, like he, they weren't able to use him and he wasn't able to work and he wasn't able, he was just a poor beggar and they found him and discipled him. And this one guy alone that was worthless has planted 106 churches to date. In the Middle East right now, um, there's a lot happening. Uh, there's, a, there's a documentary series out right now called Sheep Among Wolves. Uh, I think we've got a, an image of it. Uh, you can actually watch this on YouTube, and, I, and if you've got the stomach for it, I really encourage you to do it. Uh, it's all about Iran and the faith coming to Iran. Like, I know, so if I say Iran, like, probably you don't have, like, warm fuzzies, you know, like, uh, probably not your favorite place, not on your travel list. But in Iran, Iran, a, a overwhelmingly Islamic country, right, Muslim country, uh, Iran has one of the fastest growing Christian communities in the world. And how it's, being, how it's done is amazing. They have no church buildings. They have no centralized leadership. It is uh, 100% an underground discipleship w- movement that is led almost exclusively by women. Amazing. 
Don't you think? Like, like amazing. Uh, one of the statistics I heard from this, uh, this past weekend is said that there will be more Muslims come to Christ this century in the 2000s than the whole of history by a factor of 10. I mean, we, we're seeing Muslims come to Christ in incredible ways. Like, like it's so exciting to see the kingdom of God exploding, but not here. You know, some of the Barna stats about uh, the United States of America. Um, so five years ago, 70% of our population went to church once a month. Now that number is only maybe 35%. More than ever, when asked to identify themselves as Christian or other or none or agnostic or something, more than ever, um, people are indicating they're just saying none. Right now, 21% of adults in the United States say none. Um, for younger adults, if you've been born in the 2000s, if you're a Gen Zer, 34% of our young people right now don't recognize Christianity at all. They don't recognize their part in it, their role in it. They don't recognize its authority. They don't even see why it's necessary. Really, science has become the, the big faith uh, of our world. Like, and, and do you see that, like the way we push people to universities and professors and all this kind of stuff? And kind of the attitude is that, that if science has got it figured out, why do I need the Bible? What can the Bible offer me that science can't offer me? If I have to choose between science and the Bible, I'm probably going to choose science. 30% of uh, Gen Zers say that gender is how you feel. 51% say that happiness is the ultimate goal in life. And the real guiding factors in this is as much as an influence as like our education system and teachers and professors and, and colleges is, the real influencer is technology and social media. Social media more than ever is shaping the way our young people think and interact with others. And it's leading to this whole new, I, I think you guys know it and see it, a whole new realm of like spiritual and moral relativism. What we see, despite what's happening in like some of the most like difficult places in the world, what we see in the U.S. is just that the Christian narrative is no longer the dominant story. If it ever was, it's definitely not now. And the question we should ask as a church and as Christians is, how come? How come, like, why, why is it no longer happening here? Why is it happening there, but doesn't seem to be happening here? And honestly, like, the answer I would give you is, is, is very simple. I think in the United States of America, we lack the guidance of the Holy Spirit. So I want to talk to you about the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit works and how the Holy Spirit guides us. And, and I recognize, like, like, this is going to be an incredibly difficult task. Um, I didn't grow up in a tradition that really recognized the Holy Spirit or, or what it did. If anything, it was, like, kind of, you know, it was just murky water. We kind of don't understand, you know. And honestly, like, the scriptural witness of the Holy Spirit was never given to me. And my task is even harder because, like, like, Frankly, I feel like most of you already believe more in the power of essential oils than you do the power of the Holy Spirit. You may know more about essential oil than the Holy Spirit. So let's look at this 
mercy that God gives us of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I'm really going to look in three chapters in John. I'm going to jump around quite a bit. But in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, Jesus is really coming to the end of things. He's getting ready to, to go and be gone. And he talks so much about the Holy Spirit. Here are some of what he says. In John 14, 16, he says, And I'll ask the Father, and he will give you another, what's that word? Advocate who will never leave you. In chapter 15, he says, but I'll send you the advocate, the spirit of truth. He will come to you from the Father and will testify all about me. Let's look at one more verse. In 16, 7, he says, but in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. Now that word advocate is parakletos in, in Greek and it's, it's translated in a bunch of different ways. Uh, it, it's, in fact, it makes it really incredibly difficult um, because that word sometimes maybe in your Bible, maybe in your text is the word comforter. Sometimes it's the word, even, even the word the word helper, but overwhelmingly in the New Testament, like, like those things are like, are, are right, but they still miss something. So whenever you see the word advocate or you see the word parakletos, I want you to think of this person. All right, who is it? Do you know who it is? That's right, it's Judge Judy. Now, I don't know how you think of Judge Judy, but um, sometimes when we talk about the Holy Spirit, the advocate, we, you know, what people are talking about is a snuggy blanket, right? The comforter, the helper just wraps me up. But, but in Scripture, especially in these texts, like in, in John, like he's talking about an advocate. He's talking about a legal represent, uh, representative of you. Uh, the language is, is all courtroom language. The parakletos, the advocate, is, is somebody who is called alongside. It, it means close beside, but making a call also. So let me expand on this a little bit. Jesus, in, in 1 John chapter 2, it says, My dear children, I'm writing this to you so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate who pleads our case before, before the Father. He is Jesus Christ. All right, so the first thing you need to know is our first advocate is who? Jesus Christ. That's right. Like, he goes to the Father on our behalf. Like, did you even hear that courtroom language? Like, we've been accused of sin. Jesus stands up with us as our advocate. He speaks in our defense and provides legal counsel. Uh, a, a paracletos, an advocate, when a, when a defendant is read the sentence in court, the defendant stands up. Do you know this? And who stands with them? The paracletos, the advocate, right, stands with them. It, it's more than just a comforter or helper, helper. Like, this is someone who pleads our case for us. Like, if you've ever had a uh, I was going to say good lawyer. Uh, moving on. Um, a good lawyer like whispers good advice in your ear, right? It's not just a hug and a pat on the back. It's like, hey, here's the direction. Here's the way that you need to go and pleads our case for us. Sometimes uh, like maybe a better translation for uh, advocate is corrector. One who corrects our path. I know we re just read the 23rd Psalm, but an advocate says, is, is like, uh, the 23rd Psalm talks about this kind and gentle shepherd who leads you beside still waters. 
But the advocate is the direct, strong attorney who walks you through the rough ones. Are you with me? Because there will be rough ones. And I love what it said in uh, chapter 16, verse 7. It's like this is a confusing verse. Jesus says, do you know what? It's actually better that I go. Like who thinks that's a good idea, right? Jesus says it's actually better that I go because if I don't go, this second advocate, Jesus the first, the second one won't come. And if I do go away, then, then I'll send him to you. And I've always struggled with this verse. I thought, man, what does that mean? Like, how is it better that Jesus goes away and we get this second advocate? What does this mean? And I heard somebody offer this teaching. And I, I don't know if it's correct or not, but man, it, it, seemed, it seemed pretty good to me. So I'm going to share it with you. But I was told that Jesus had to go away so the second advocate could come. So he could duplicate or replicate himself in all of us. See how that works? Jesus was just one guy in one place at one time, but the advocate is everywhere all the time, right? He multiplies himself in millions of people at the same time. So are you learning about this advocate? All right, legal attorney sent to us by God. He's, it even says he'll, he's never going to leave us. He's with us always. That sounds like words of Jesus, right? This person that's, that's with us, guiding us, Let's read some more. In John 14, 17, it says, he is the Holy, Holy Spirit who leads into all what? When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He doesn't speak on his own, but he'll tell you what he's heard. He will tell you about the future, and he'll bring me glory. Jesus says he'll bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All right, so... This advocate is a truth teller, is a truth bringer, and this is the big truth. He's the same way that the Holy Spirit is the truth in the same way that that Jesus says, I'm the truth. I'm the truth. And the role is to guide or lead into all truth. In chapter 16, verse 9, you can look it up yourself. It says the big sin of the world, the big one. The big sin is that the world refuses to believe in Jesus. Jesus is the truth. The sin of the world is that it refuses to believe in Jesus. And the truth is that Jesus is the Son of God. And the advocate's role is to proclaim that truth and say it again and again. And what's great, too, is like the advocate doesn't even speak on his own, right? Jesus even says of this second one that's coming after me, really his job is just to tell, him, tell you what I told him. Jesus said the same thing about the Father. He said, whatever the Father tells me, that's what my job is. My job is to pass on the information. It even says he glorifies Jesus by telling only what he received from Jesus. So the Holy Spirit isn't speaking on, the advocate isn't speaking on its own behalf or its own benefit. It's only sharing what it's received from Jesus. Let's look at a couple more in John chapter 14, verse 26. Jesus says, but when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he'll teach you everything and remind you of everything I told you. 
All right, so a couple of roles here. We, we see how this works. He's a representative of Jesus, like points to Jesus. Like this is super important. The Holy Spirit of God points to Jesus, not to somebody. The Holy Spirit of God always points to Jesus, not to some church. Are you with me? And in this representative role really serves in two ways, to teach and to remind us. Uh, we need to be reminded because we're forgetful. Uh, doubt that, or just read the whole Bible. <laughs> right, like it's story again and again and again about how God's people forget God. They choose their own path. They... And, and so we need that reminder, but we also need the teacher. And this is the part that I think is really like incredibly powerful idea. The Holy Spirit of God, the second advocate who is sent by God, who speaks on behalf of God, his role is to teach us. Think about this for a minute. Do you need a Bible degree to make disciples? Do you need more seminaries? You know, like, hey, Christianity is really struggling in the U.S. You know what we need? We need more seminaries. We need more places that will teach us. No. Like, imagine this right now. Like, the greatest teacher ever is available to you. And if you are a disciple, a disciple means student, right? You know who your teacher is. Now I want to dig a little bit deeper into this teacher idea. What does the teacher teach? What's the Holy Spirit teach? Well, you heard what he says. I only teach what Jesus tells me to teach. What did Jesus teach? Look at Matthew 28. You probably know this. Jesus' final words in Matthew, uh, there's, a, there's a couple of alls. I, I want you to, all means all. I want you to count the alls. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples of the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey, oh, just some of them. Just the ones you like and comfortable with. Just the easy ones. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I'll be with you. I know it's not all, but it's close. Always, right? If you believe Jesus is who he says he is, like in the spirit testifies to this truth. Like there's another courtroom language, right? The advocate's job is to testify the truth of Jesus Christ to all of us. That Jesus really is the Son of God. If Jesus really is the Son of God and the Holy Spirit is backing this fact up again and again and again, then what's the really, there's really only one response. Look what it says in John 14, 15. If Jesus really is the Son of God, the only response is obedience and worship. There was a guy at this uh, convention this past week. He was an old guy. I don't really know what he was doing, but he wore a sign on his back, and it was like, keep, keep it simple, stupid. Look at everybody as if they were Jesus. 
Right, and I, I get the sentiment, and I follow along, but I, I was sitting there, because I'm, I'm a jerk, and I just overanalyze everything. I was like, so if I look at you like you're really Jesus, honestly, I'm just going to fall down at your feet. I'm going to worship you, and I'm going to do whatever you say. And I'm gonna, if I follow his sign, I'm going to do that with everybody. Like, I know that's not what he meant. But that's the response of Jesus, right? Like, that's the real thing. Like, if, if you get this idea that Jesus is the Son of God, then the only response is obedience and worship. I know there's more, but like when I begin to read the roles of the Holy Spirit, how it works and how it functions, all I could think was that, that we, the church, are tasked to do the same thing for the same reasons. If the role of the Holy Spirit is, to, is sent by the Father to speak on the Father's behalf, to glorify God by telling what he's received, I think, man, that's our job too. If, if the role of the Holy Spirit is to testify to Jesus, to represent Jesus, to, to remind others of what Jesus taught, then I think, man, that's, that's our job too. In fact, in John 15, 26, I know we read verse 26. I think we have 27. Do I have that? It's great. Go read it. Like our job is to teach on behalf of Jesus. And teach what? All authority belongs to Jesus. Make disciples of all nations. Teaching them to obey all the commands. Right? Our job is to cover the alls to lead, guide others into truth and just be that constant presence, right? The companion that never leaves. So I thought, man, that's the Holy Spirit's job, does all these cool things, and the church's job is to do all these cool things. And then you know what I thought next? I thought, you know, really? This is the parent's job. Think about it. Represent Christ, share the truth of Christ to teach and remind about the truth of Christ, to testify about Christ, to be there all the time and to guide and lead into truth. Is there a better role for a parent than that? The church's job, Christian's job, the parent's job is through the truth and witness and the power of the Holy Spirit to guide the culture. But in the United States of America, we've quit. Right? Prove me wrong. Like, I hate it. I hate it. But I see parents all the time trusting their kids to their, their schools, trusting their kids to social media, trusting their friends to guide them. Do you see it? I see this bigger gap between parents and their kids than maybe ever before. Like this whole role of guiding into truth, like we've passed that off and passed it down the road to somebody else. Like when was the last time you sat down with your kids and talked about what was really important? When was the last time you sat down and, and had a real heart-to-heart conversation about the truth of Jesus Christ? And when was the last time you modeled what it looks like to be obedient to him? You know, I think this tragic stats about Christianity in the United States of America, like maybe the, the one that's, that's the most damning for us is the overwhelming majority of those who do claim, like the, 
the few that are claiming to be Christian, the overwhelming majority of that small group will never disciple a single person in their life. And I know why. This is going to sting. She don't trust or believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's what I know. You cannot disciple anyone outside of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to happen. And when you submit to the Holy Spirit, it will always lead you to discipleship. Holy Spirit's not going to guide you somewhere else. Holy Spirit is always going to guide you to accomplish what Jesus said and taught. But what of our, like, think about our Christian culture, like Christian culture and churches, like, we just follow the culture of the world and send everybody to school and send them to education. Like, how many of you have thought, well, I would disciple more if I had more training? How many of you have thought, I would disciple better if, if I had more preparation? Maybe you're even sitting there thinking, you know, like, I just need to make a to-do list of how I need to get better at this. Like, I know I would disciple more if I knew more about the Bible. And, like, I don't want to be totally anti, like, training and teaching, but I really think, like, we've got the cart before the horse. Like, now, even in our seminary system, like, if you want to be a pastor, if you want to disciple people, well, you need to go and get this degree, and then there'll be another degree on top of that. And we're graduating people out of a seminary system that never discipled anybody. They got two degrees, and they never led one person to Christ yet. Does that seem backwards? Think about what I just told you about, uh, about Iran and what's happening in Iran, Right? Women in Iran, the fa- one of the fastest growing Christian movements in our world right now. You know, Christ isn't coming to Iran because these women had better teaching than you had, right? They don't have access to better resources than you. In fact, their resources are probably far worse, Right? It wasn't the teaching and training that made the difference. I think it's the belief and the power of the Holy Spirit and the willingness to obey and trust its guidance. I was thinking about, you know, we sang that song a minute ago, Lord, I need you. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. You're my one defense. Imagine, like, right, imagine today there were women hiding behind closed doors singing that same song. Lord, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense. <laughs> like, do you think they're hanging on those words in ways that we're not? It's not better teaching. It's not better training. It's not, it's not better sermons or better worship leader or better buildings. It's better belief in the power of the Holy Spirit. You read your New Testament and you see the genesis of every great movement of God's kingdom is always predicated by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think that, like, honestly... 
like understanding and receiving the guidance of the Holy Spirit comes through through prayer and fasting. And I think next year, as we've, we're already planning, planning and praying for next year, you'll, you'll see more opportunity for that. I love the story of uh, St. Francis of Assisi, one of the church fathers, came to a real fork in the road in his life about what was next and, and what what God was calling him to do in his life. And he invited some like spiritual mentors to come in and, and pray with him. And, and they prayed one really specific prayer. His prayer was, I think maybe even I have it. Do I have that, Lynn? There it is. This was his prayer. What does my Lord Jesus Christ order me to do? You got the guts to say that prayer? Don't you see like that, that dedication to obedience? Like, God, whatever you tell me, wherever you lead me, you're gonna tr- I'm going to trust that you're leading me into truth. In John 16, 13, it says that the Spirit will guide into all truth and it will tell us what he has heard from the Father. And then a really curious part of, of chapter 16, verse 13, it says, he will tell you about the future. I highlighted that part. Any of you curious about the future? Like, what does that mean? But we've been really praying and thinking about the future of Aspen Grove Christian Church. Man, God has been doing some, some awesome, amazing things. And, and in my tenure here, we've kind of like done like some of our planning has been day to day. Some has been hour to hour. Some is like next month, let's try to do this. You know what I'm saying? Like it seems so small. And like we've done year to year planning and honestly, praise God, like most of the goals we set for a church this year, we hit within six months. Awesome. And I was so, like, like even in our leadership right now, it's, rever- it's coming out of us like, man, we need for the first time in our history to make three-year and five-year and ten-year goals, a bigger picture, future goals. And it's incredibly exciting. And, and, and part, of like, I, part of my push in all of this, like goals and future and planning, is, is Francis of Assisi's question, what does my Lord Jesus Christ order Aspen Grove Christian Church to do? That's what I want, man. And, and I hope if you're a member here or a guest here, I want you to know like that is 100% of who we are and who we are trying to be. And, I, and I, I know part of this answer for sure is all about discipleship to the alls, right? Like we know the alls is a part of our future. And we think like, like to get to that discipleship picture, I, we think to get there is driven by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think it's accessed through through prayer and through fasting. Like there's a couple of things that I know, like, like it, even scripturally, the Holy Spirit and, and God's Spirit, he, he speaks and moves in all these different ways. Like, like, like sometimes the Holy Spirit speaks through, through maybe intuition or circumstance. Um, maybe the Holy Spirit, you know, even in the Old Testament, the presence of God is, is fire and wind. And like there's all these, uh, sometimes God speaks through, through angels and through visions and through dreams. Like, right? So like there's, like God's hand is all over this thing. And you're thinking, okay, we seek the guidance of the Holy Spirit. What is it going to come like? What's it, what's it going to look like? Like, I don't know how the Holy Spirit is going to speak to you individually, specifically, but I know he always speaks through his word. You want to know what the Holy Spirit has to say to your life? Open your Bibles. 
Pray and fast over these words. You'll hear a voice you can't deny. Just a few more thoughts, and I, I know I'm taking up a ton of your time. In John chapter 14, verse 17, we already read this verse, but I want to read the last part of it to you. It says, he is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. And then like this shocking part, it says, the world cannot receive him because it's not looking for him and it doesn't recognize him. Do you believe that the one in you is greater than the one in the world? I believe that. Do you believe that all the wisdom and truth of God is available to you now? Still, we and you and, and parents, like, we must seek it and receive it and recognize it. My question is, like, <laughs> this incredible mercy of God's guidance is available to you. Do you see that? The one who can guide you into all truth. Anyone interested in what the real truth is? The one who can guide you and lead you into all of it is available to you. That's pretty significant, I think. The question is, are you looking for him? Are you seeking the truth the advocate has to offer? Right now in you is their willingness to seek and follow God's guidance. And if there's not, then your next question should be, why not? What in your own heart is holding you back? So, in just a moment, I'm going to dismiss you to a time of communion. And if you're a guest with us, maybe your first time, we've got the table set up with the elements of communion. There'll even be instructions on the screen. Uh, it's sacred space to uh, of devotion and prayer and meditation. Maybe as you go to the communion table, as you ask that question that that St. Francis asked, like, what does my Lord Jesus Christ order me, command me to do? Like, that's a, honestly, that's a great question to take to the communion table. Um, but before we do that, I want to do something a little bit different and a little bit risky. Is that okay? Um, I just want to pray for parents. Uh, in fact, the, the risky part of this is if you're a parent and you have kids here today, can you just like get close to your kids and put hands on them? Can you do that? Like, yeah, it's okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I know that would be... Anyone want to donate to volunteer to help the Vermont kids? You're welcome. They'll pass them out. All right, so if your kids are spread out, have them come over to you. Come on, Nicholas. I see you guys over here. They're so embarrassed. Um, and and if, you're, if your kids or if your grandkids aren't here or if some kids you're, you're connected to aren't here, you can do this later. Um, I, I think maybe nowhere more valuable will the guidance of the Holy Spirit be needed than with our parents right now. I want to put an incredibly heavy burden. I, I know the, the burden of, of being a parent is, is tough already, but I want to put an incredibly, even the biggest burden I can in the world on every single parent in here to guide your children in the truth of Jesus Christ. And so, like, I, I see, like, this is where we're losing it. Do you, does that make sense? Like, man, we're just losing. We're losing too many kids. Like, our, when we prayed as a worship team before you came in today, honest, honest to goodness, our prayer was that every single person in here would walk away knowing the truth of Jesus Christ. Because one is too many.
And, and so I want to lift you parents up, and I want to encourage you parents. I want to I affirm your role, and, 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 and I want you to be just flooded with the power of the Holy Spirit. And that, and that applies to everyone in here, for sure. I want to pray for dads and moms and, and husbands. I, man, it's so important that you guys take the lead, take the role of guiding your family again. So I'm going to say a prayer for parents specifically and then uh, dismiss you guys to a time of communion. Like, will you pray with me? Father God, I just lift up uh, every mom and dad and, and, and grandma and grandpa and, and, and all the greats and all the connections. God, I lift up every parent in this place. God, I know it's hard. Like, it, it's so hard and it's challenging. And there's so many, like, forces in this world that come and are, and are pursuing our children and they're pursuing our time and they're pursuing all of these kind of things. But God, I, I want to lift up every parent and grandparent in this place. God, I pray that the Holy Spirit would, would, would dwell in them and, and speak through these parents and, and help these parents to guide them in all truth. God, I pray for every single child in this church that they would come to know the truth of Jesus Christ. God, I pray for these parents. I, I know work is busy and I know their calendars are full, but God, don't let them like, lose track of this idea to, of guiding their children in truth because if they don't, somebody else will. And so, God, let this be a place, even as a church, let us be a church that supports, supports parents and supports families. And, and, and let us work as the Holy Spirit to come alongside and, and never walk away from. And, God, I pray that same prayer we've been praying for a while, like that every single person would come to know the truth of Jesus Christ. Don't leave here today. Please don't leave here today without knowing. And God, I'm just, I just place that burden on us as a church. Help us to be a church that, that pursues your commands, that pursues your orders more than any other. Father God, I don't know that we've necessarily been this incredibly or dramatically spirit-filled place, but I want to be. We know that that's the path for us and the path for our future. God, I pray for the United States of America. Man, we're just behind the curve with some of this but we're not lost and we haven't fallen off too far, God. I just, I just pray that our country would return to look to you, that look to your spirit for guidance and truth. God, let there be a resurgence and a renewal of the truth of Jesus Christ in this place. Father God, we love you. Thank you that we even have this opportunity. Thank you for the mercy of your spirits that stands right beside us. We offer this prayer in your son Jesus' name and everyone together says,